We're going to continue in our wonderful walk through Matthew's Gospel. So if you're able, please turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go back and read one of the verses that we covered last week, uh, but we're going to continue reading uh, verses 24 through 34. So if you're able to stand, please, let us stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. And as we read God's Word together, I'm going to ask that you focus your attention to the words, but also ask yourself, dear God, what are you saying to me as we hear these words being read? Amen. This is a passage of scripture that can apply to a multitude of circumstances and individuals. And I'm going to be, I want to be sensitive today to the Holy Spirit that as we hear these words of Jesus, that that may be some in this room that this text is directly meant for. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Dear God, we pause at the reading of your word, and these words apply to us more so today, I think, than we can imagine. Many of us in this room, Father, worry about how we're going to pay the bills this month. Many of us in this room may even be worrying about whether or not our jobs are going to be there after the new year. Many of us in this room also, Father, may be worrying about the political future of our country and our world. Lord, we are overwhelmed with worries of life, and there is no worry too trivial for you to love us and to provide for. So God, I pray that as we we, we listen to you speak to us in your word, that you would use this time to minister to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that this would be a time that everyone in this room, everyone who is hearing these words, would understand their dependence upon your provision, that they would understand their dependence upon you for salvation. Anxiety and worry is part of our sinful fall. 
And I pray, God, that you would use that to draw us back into your presence. That whatever fear and anxiety we have would be crafted and steered to where we would turn to you as a result. And so, God, I pray that this time would be for you and that your voice would speak loudly. May we hear clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. God bless you guys. It's interesting that this has been an unusual 2020. As we are wrapping up this year, many people have different experiences of this, these 12 months. Some, have, some actually did better than others. Others have done worse than others, and, and others have got anxieties and fears and things that have fallen apart. We have some who have perhaps lost their jobs this year. We have others, though, uh, even though they may have continued on in their employment, this next year of economic uncertainty may be bringing some fear and some anxiety. On top of that, we could throw in the political trauma and the social and racial tensions in our world at the moment. 2020 has clearly proven to be one of these unusual rocky years. I think this text that we have come to today in Matthew chapter 6 is timely for a number of reasons. I think Jesus now addresses here in his Sermon on the Mount a far too common problem among the citizens of the kingdom. Let us remember that if you are here and you are forgiven of your sin and God has redeemed you from a fallen life, we are in a new kingdom. We are citizens of a new kingdom. That is the focus of what Jesus is telling us here in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7 is this walk through Jesus showing us exactly what it means to be a part of his kingdom that he establishes first here and then fulfilled later in its completeness at the end of time. As forgiven citizens of the kingdom, as forgiven men and women, we are part of something grand and glorious. Amen? Yet, anxiety and worry is a far too common problem, not just among the fallen and sinful world, but amongst the citizens of the kingdom, church members, Christians who come daily worrying and fearful about their day, about their tomorrow. It's, it's, it's a problem. But not only do the lost in the world suffer anxiety and worry, Christians, I think we fall into this common problem of worry and anxiety at a, I would say, almost as an equal rate, perhaps even more. And Jesus is addressing this very clearly, but also very lovingly in this section of his sermon. And he, I think today we're going to see exactly what is the source of our anxiety and worry. Because if we have fear and anxiety in our hearts, there is something that I'm afraid that is causing it. And at the root of it, I think, is this tension between two worlds, two kingdoms. And I want us to take a look at that today. It seems that in this passage, Jesus is addressing 
I think, the problem of a lack of faith. Anxiety often feels like a choking. Those who suffer from anxiety and worry will tell you it's almost like a physical choking, a strangling of the soul. Would you agree? If you are consumed with worry and anxiety, it's almost as if not only your physical being is being strangled, but deeper still, I think it is a strangling of the soul that we're dealing with here. But what is at stake in this passage, I think, is bigger than this. It's, it's the eternal state of our faith. It's the eternal state of our trust in the Lord rather than ourselves. That's, what, that's a common theme that Jesus, I think, is bringing out here. I think especially in chapter 6, this tension between practicing our righteousness in order to be seen by others and to, be, to make ourselves feel good versus the genuine practice of righteousness that God alone can provide through His Son. And I think that is at the very root of our anxiety and worry. We are at this state of tension. Isn't this the root of all sin? To depend on ourselves? Would you agree? How many of us, when we have depended on ourselves and have forgotten the provision of our Father in heaven, have realized what a fool's errand that eventually is? Yet through it all, we struggle with this feeling of anxiety and worry. We're depending on ourselves, or we're depending on the uh, the approval of others rather than God himself. This is the root of anxiety that we are depending upon ourselves and not God the Father. That's the very cause of worry. The issue at hand here, I think, that Jesus is showing is that we know that we're inadequate, and this leads us to an overwhelming sense of failure and loss. When we are aware of our inadequacies and we're depending on ourselves, that's going to naturally lead to an outcome of inadequacy and failure. Would you agree? And we know this. I am inadequate. I'm trying to solve this on my own. I know I'm going to fail. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. And boy, you see the slippery slope directly into fear and anxiety and worry and stress. The issue at hand is that we know it's impossible. But that is the attitude of a Christian in the midst of a forgiving God who gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to overcome this inadequacy within ourselves. So why is it that citizens of the kingdom depend upon ourselves and we are worried about what others think and we're worried about what the world says is successful instead of focusing on what God says the kingdom looks like? You see the tension? Let's take a look at this a little bit deeper. There's a few other passages I think will help us understand what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. The apostle Peter tells us, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You see, this anxiety and fear Peter is pointing out is very important. That if we do not cast our worries upon God who loves us, then we are going to be prey to the devil himself who is prowling around seeking somebody to devour. As God's people, we have a God who cares for us. As God's people, we have a Savior who loved us so much, He sacrificed all for us. Yet we live as His people in fear and anxiety. I think what Peter's telling us here in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, is that the in order to overcome fear and anxiety, it requires what we began this walk with Christ with to begin with, which was humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Is that not the beginning of our salvation walk? <laughs> to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, His love and His care for us? Yet somewhere along the line, we forget that. And we're sucked back into the worries and the fears of this world. And we have to be constantly reminded through God's word. And we have to constantly remind each other as God's people, as we worship together here today, this is not just a gathering of singing and listening to sermons and going home and turning on football. This is a day of encouraging one another in the midst of our worry and anxiety as well to be reminded from one another, we have a God who cares for us. We also see... Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4 exactly uh, how else to address this issue of, uh, of fear and worry. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Now let me remind you that, that this text, uh, chapter 4 of the book of Philippians, is often taken out of context by uh, prosperity gospel folks who actually uh, are actually causing more Christians to live in anxiety, I think, because they can't live up to the the health and wealth gospel vision. But let's take a look here exactly what Paul means here in Philippians chapter 4. He says, beginning in verse 4 of the, chapter, of the fourth chapter, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say what? Rejoice. Verse 5, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What are we called to do with our anxieties and our fears according to this text? We passed it upon our Father God in heaven who loves us. I think while the passage in Philippians calls for the Christian to in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we are to let our requests be made known to God. I think it's the very state of anxiety that causes us to actually do this. Think about it. Even though anxiety, according to Jesus, is something to be avoided by the Christian, it's not that simple. It's kind of like the Bob Newhart comedy skit, if you've ever seen it, where he says, stop it. He's a psychiatrist. And people come into his psychiatry office looking for help with their anxieties and their fears. 
And Bob Newhart is this character who has a miraculous solution to it all. And he's making millions of dollars on books. And his, his method is real simple. Stop it. You need to, it's, it, y'all know, some of you are laughing because you know the video I'm talking about. Some of us just want to look at people who are fearful and anxiety and we just look at them and we want to shake them and we just say, stop it. In some ways, that's what needs to be said, but in other ways, that's not necessarily the answer. (laughs) The answer, instead of just stopping the worry, the answer is pour out this worry and this anxiety upon God Almighty who loves us. I think it's an irony here, but it's also a truth that anxiety as as horrible as it is and as much pain as anxiety causes us, what I love about our Father is that He will use our anxiety to cause us to need Him. Amen? Anxiety can be the cause of prayer. Anxiety can be the cause of dependence and faith. Maybe that's the way we need to look at this teaching on anxiety and worry. It's not don't ever worry and don't ever be anxious because we live in a fallen state, even though we're forgiven. But I think what Jesus is going to teach us here, we're going to look at this a little bit deeper. He's saying this anxiety and this worry can actually be used and motivated to draw us to trust our Father. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 12 says this, Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. When we take a closer look here at the flow of Jesus' words, let's take a look here at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And let's understand that verse 24 is the introduction and leads into the passage on anxiety and worry in 25. If you're taking notes, because a lot of times in our English translations here, they're breaking verse 25 off as its own section. But I want you to look at this as if verse 24 about serving two masters is the foundation for what he's saying in verse 25 and following. Let's read verse 24. Now no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think here in this one verse, we can see a connection, this tension between trying to serve two masters, trying to serve God, our Lord, and trying to serve the Lord of this world, the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of man. We are in a tension trying to serve two masters, and Jesus is saying that's an impossible task. I think this is the root of the anxiety it brings the tension that leads to worry in verse 25. Because look at verse 25, that connecting word, therefore. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Why are we worried in verse 25? It's because in verse 24 we're trying to serve two masters. I think Jesus points out, that trying to serve two masters is the root of our anxiety. God, we've got to choose between the lordship of our Father or the lordship of the treasures of the world. 
Because if you remember, beginning in verse 19, we're talking about laying up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy versus laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. And we struggle with this tension. And so as we come to verse 25, when we're worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what kind of clothes we're going to wear, all of that is standards of the world. The quality of the food or perhaps the amount of food And if we don't have the amount of food the world tells us we're supposed to have, we're starving to death. If we're not wearing the latest fashion of clothes, we're somehow less than. Now, again, if you still have polyester leisure suits, please, it's time. You can go ahead and let those go. Amen? Some of the kids are going, what's a polyester leisure suit? Trust me, you don't want to know. Amen? And bell bottoms, please, get rid of the bell bottoms. But at the same time, there's this rhythmic dance that that our souls go through. Our, our, Our soul is split between loyalty of the world and loyalty of our Father. And we've got this rhythmic tension in our souls. And I think there's a vain attempt here to try to synchronize the expectations of the world with the expectations of the kingdom. What does it mean to synchronize? Syncretistic religion. Syncretistic religion is this attempt to merge the secular world with the biblical truth of the kingdom. And it fails every single time. It pollutes the truth of the gospel. It pollutes the truth of service to the Lord and, and walking in Christian purity and genuine truth. When we try to bring in what the world says is perfect and try to harmonize that with the religious truth of the, of the biblical text, what we develop is a religion that's not scriptural at all, and it's a syncretism. It's an attempt to harmonize this tension between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. When, that, when we are in the middle of this tension of, Lord, I want to serve you, I want to love you well, but I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure at this, and so the world is telling me to live this way, and instead of trying to ignore the world and depend on the Lord, that's hard, we'd say, well, let's just harmonize it all together and make it easier. And it brings more anxiety. It's a vain attempt. Syncretism is this misguided attempt to synchronize the secular worldview of what the world says is popular and successful with the biblical truth of humility and sacrifice and repentance. And I think God's truth here cannot be harmonized with the sinful secular world that there is. It's not going to happen. We cannot synchronize and harmonize the truth of God's word and the truth of his gospel with a sinful, secular world that wants nothing to do with him at all. Instead, God's truth can only rule with authority. Only God's truth can have authority over our sinful worries. Let's take a look here at what's happening. I think the root of our anxiety is the fear of not pleasing the two lords that we're in tension between, that we split our loyalties between God and the world. Life according to human standards versus life according to God's will. Let's look here at verse 26. 
Here's what Jesus says as he's trying to explain what the anxiety is about. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Why are the birds of the air so happy? They don't have to punch a clock. They don't have to get their kids up for school. They don't have to go and please an employer. They don't have to go and put gas in the car. They don't have to find the right clothes for the day. They don't have to worry about paying the bills. Boy, look at the birds of the air. Aren't they happy? Now, they got to worry about the cat next door. But they're happy. Why? In verse 26, it's because the Heavenly Father feeds the birds. Aren't they happy? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's keep, let's keep looking here. In verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. There may be some who are worried about how long they're going to live. There may be some who are worried about what tomorrow will bring. He may, Jesus makes it very clear here in verse 27, the worry about what's happening even for a single hour. <laughs> what does that bring? It's just an hour of anxiety and worry, nothing more. It's not going to extend our life. It's not going to make us any happier. And in verse 28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. We worry about our fashion and our clothes. Yet when we look out upon God's beautiful creation, he has such a more beautiful array of clothing than we could ever dream. Now that doesn't mean get rid of your wardrobe and go be a naturalist. That's not what Jesus is saying. The, the, the issue here, these verses spell out clearly what it is that we're worried the most about in this materialistic world that we live in. We're worried about our food. We're worried about the length of our life, our health care. We're worried about the clothing on our backs. We're worried about our material stuff. I was blessed with a little bit of downtime yesterday to actually do a honeydew list, and I cleaned out a little bit of our garage. It's amazing how you don't even intend to store up things, but you have to haul it off to the dump regularly. Boxes, clothes, stuff. I think verses 26, 27, and 28, talking about food, talking about the length of our life, and I would say the length of our life also deals with even our health and our clothing. All of these were things that the Pharisees were dealing with. They wanted the, the richest foods because that was the status of who they were. They wanted to make sure that they lived a long and healthy life because that was a sign of wisdom in God's favor. They wanted to wear the richest clothing because that also showed if you had fine clothing, then God must love you more. Yet we do the same thing, and I think all of these verses 26, 27, 28, they're all comparing something very important here. Look here in verse 26. At the end of verse 26, as Jesus talks about the birds of the air, here's what he says about the Heavenly Father taking care of the birds, he says, are you not of more value than they? One of the key roots of anxiety and worry is a fear of how valuable I am. Has anybody ever worried about that? My boss doesn't appreciate me. 
My family members look down upon me. My spouse doesn't love me. Am I valuable? Do I have purpose? Do I have merit? And I think all of these things, food, health, clothing, all of these things we worry about, Jesus compares all of these to God's value of his own. Do we worry that God does not value us? Is that possibly the root of our anxiety and worry? Does God the Father value his children? We can say it. We can read it in his word. But do we know it and do we live it? Does God value you as his child? And Jesus' words here are, are very true. If we worry about our own value, he says, let me encourage you, the Father in heaven holds you more valuable than all of the created beauty that you see around you. He loved you so much. You are so valuable to him. He sacrificed his only son so that you could reign with him forever. And your sin would be forgiven. And so that you would live a new life and be this representative of the kingdom to a fallen world that is worried about things that are temporary at best. If we are part of the kingdom of heaven, why are we worried? Why are we anxious? Because I think part of it is that we don't understand the value that God has for us. We worry that we're not valuable. And so the beginning of this powerful sermon, I think back in chapter 5, it reminds us that Jesus is telling us that God's faithful. We long for a beautiful kingdom. Is anybody attracted to the beautiful? Whether it be the beautiful lights of Christmas, whether it be the beautiful array of food on a, a Christmas dinner table, whether are, are you even attracted to the beauty of the shiny new toy? Are you attracted to the beauty of the beautiful bank account? We're longing for the beautiful. But the tension here that we have is between the human standards of beauty and God's will and his beauty for us that plays out in Jesus' condemnation of the hypocritical Pharisees. Remember all of chapter 6, Jesus is really making it very clear, beginning in verse 1, that the Pharisees and the religious elite were out for their own reward. Yet, by the time we get to verse 25 about anxiety and worry, he reminds us that his faith will fall into the same problem. We worry about what the world thinks about us. We're worried about what others think about us. As we fall into this trap, the focus of the Beatitudes in chapter 5 is the same focus on this sin of worry. Because Matthew chapter 5 introduces this theme that we carry over into this idea of worry and anxiety. When we look at chapter 5, remember the Beatitudes? We looked at those months ago he, in verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You hear that tension? Verse 3, um, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Remember the Beatitudes, that tension? That's the root of the anxiety here that Jesus is telling us. Let's look back here at uh, chapter 6 in verse 33. The message from Jesus here is to be his disciple in every aspect of our daily lives requires that we see Jesus as Lord over all things. Look here at verse 33. What does it say? But seek what first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The first things that we seek is the kingdom of God, which is his righteousness. And if that is our priority, if we look at the one thing prior that is prior and, and, and prime, the things of the kingdom, which is God himself, his son, Jesus Christ, forgiveness of our sins so that we are in his righteousness. You, do, you worry about that first, everything else takes care of itself. To be a genuine Christian is to seek the kingdom. To be a genuine Christian is to seek his righteousness above all things. And it means that Jesus is the treasure and the joy of your heart. If that is your focus first, then the food and the clothing and the bills and the bank account and the deadlines and the children and the husbands and the wives and all the responsibilities that this world has, all of that somehow seems to take care of itself. Now, as I say this, I mean, this is coming directly from Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You could say, but pastor, that's not reality. And that's the response that so many people have when they are reminded of the words of Jesus here. Guess what? We have a father who knows that. We have a savior who lived it. Yet he's reminding us in his word that the anxiety that we allow to control us is actually a sign of a lack of faith. My, here's my counsel from this text. Those who seek his kingdom, we're not going to be plagued with worry about riches and provisions for everyday living. If we are genuinely converted men and women, if our hearts are truly, I want to emphasize this, truly changed, then the worry and the anxiety that controls us should not be there. Doesn't mean that we're not going to face worry and anxiety. That's life. The question is, does the worry and the anxiety control us? If we are allowing our fears to control us, we're not allowing our Father in heaven to be the Lord that we claim him to be. 
Because if we trust Him, everything we need will be taken care of. Now, it may not be what the world says is the best. The world may say you need to drive such and such a car. Well, and your car may be falling down. Has the God provided that for you? Thank you, Father. You may not have a lot of money at the end of the month to pay the bills in the way that you think you need to pay them. But if your bills are paid and you have food in your belly, has God provided that? You see, fear and anxiety leads us to spend money that we do not have because we feel that the world wants us to live a certain standard. God provides for His people. doesn't mean that we're going to be rich as the world says that we're rich. doesn't mean we're always going to have the nicest car or the nicest clothes or the, or the nicest uh, job. If God provides our basic needs, is the Christian content with that? Our houses may not be the grandest. Our cars may not be the newest. Our bank accounts may not be the biggest. But if we are bought by the blood of Christ and we are under His Lordship and we trust Him, can we not be content with what He provides? Amen? Those who seek His kingdom are not going to worry about riches. They're not going to be worried about where their next meal comes from. It may not be what you want. It may not be what you dream. But if God provides it, there is no worry anymore. Once we focus on the kingdom of God, I think we realize that worry is unnecessary. I, want to, I really want to drive this home. If we focus on the kingdom of God, our focus causes us to realize that worry is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And so in place of anxiety, the Christian finds contentment. Contentment is the biblical answer to anxiety and worry. Because Jesus tells us in verse 34, therefore, he closes this out, therefore, this is a command. This is not a pretty please. This is an imperative Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And the King James Version translates this, sufficient is the day for its own evil. There's enough evil and trouble in the world for us to deal with. We don't need to worry about more. Amen? We have a Savior who has conquered it all. If fellowship with God is the joy of one's heart, then I think one's not going to practice, they're not going to practice this worry. If fellowship with God is the center of our being, then we're going to practice righteousness in order to praise God. We're not going to practice righteousness in order to be praised by other people. We're not going to practice righteousness in order to praise other people. I think genuine Christians who truly believe that their needs will be met are going to feel secure. Amen? And through this security, they're content 
with what God provides. Since what God gives us is greater than anything that we can give to ourselves. If we genuinely believe that, I think that's a great step to solving worry. Amen? Now, there are times of our lives we've all been there. I don't know where, what tomorrow will bring. Amen? I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. I don't know if my kids are going to eat next week. I don't know if they're going to turn off my power next week. I don't know if I'm going to pass my semester at college next week. But the Christian, the genuine Christian, who has been genuinely bought by the blood of Christ, whose hope and joy is in that truth, has something to hold on to in the midst of worry and anxiety and fear. So I think the words of Jesus here are very clear. It's not that he's saying, stop worrying, just get over it. What he's saying is that the citizens of the kingdom have a father who loves them. And anxiety and fear is that which is in us that drives us to depend upon God even more. Can you think of it that way? Whenever those genuine fears and concerns rise up within you, can that be a signal to turn your heart to depend upon the Lord even more in that moment than you were? And we need each other to, we need to encourage each other in this. And I, I, this is one thing I love about our church. I, I listen to people share their hearts with one another. And we're, and we're, we're this is a safe place for people to find Christian friends to pour out their hearts. If a brother or sister comes to you with fear and worry and anxiety, I will, I will, let's follow the, the words of Jesus here. Let's listen with compassion, but remind that brother or sister that we have a father who loves us and values us more than what the world does. Amen? And let's encourage that moment to be a moment of prayer. Let's encourage that moment to be a moment of dependence upon the God that loves us. Amen? Does God value us more than anything? Do we have a God who values us more than anything else in His created order? I don't know. This week, you may have some worry and anxiety that is overwhelming you. You could be in a place of, hallelujah, everything's great. I don't know. But we live in a fallen world. And we've been redeemed by a Savior who paid everything for us. Let's embrace that. Let's hold to the truth that we are valuable in the eyes of God. And if we are in a season of uncertainty, it's for His glory alone that we may be feeling that. And God is allowing that anxiety and that worry to cause us to turn to Him and say, Dear God, I can't do this. Will you love me? Amen. You could be sitting here, and, as, and I'll close with this thought. One of the key areas of worry and anxiety that I witness is that the worry and the, uh, and the anxiety of a mother. 
fathers don't seem to worry so much about their kids. They're glad to, that they're out on their own. And uh, if you're bleeding and you're dying, come see me. Otherwise, bye. But it seems like the worry of a mother is this tension. God uses the prayers of a mother too. And I think of the uh, church history example of uh, the mother of St. Augustine who prayed for him for decades, this wayward child. And she even goes to the Bishop of Milan, Ambrose, and asks, my wayward son is fallen. Should I keep praying for him? And Ambrose says, by all means, pray. And what happens? At the age of 30, Augustine has a radical conversion. And we know throughout church history his impact on the faith. So it's not, Jesus is not saying, don't pray for your children. Pray for your children. Allow that motherly instinct of fear and worry to drive you to prayer but not to the point of so much fear that the devil wins. Let it turn to the glory of the Father. Amen? Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we praise you for your word. Your Son, Jesus Christ, teaches a very clear point that the citizens of the kingdom are not to be controlled by anxiety and worry. And Father, there are many in your church who do suffer with this. They, they live in a constant state of anxiety. It seems like our world right now is full of anxiety and doubt and worry. From the political structures to our social structures to our economy to just life in general. Some are even anxious and worried about the pandemic of COVID-19. God, all of this is part of the fallen world that you still have us live in. And I pray, God, that you would use our circumstances to draw us back to your presence, to always depend on you. We thank you, Father, for your love for us. And we thank you for providing salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray that, that, that those times that we are anxious, those times that we are fearful, that you would remind us of the moment of our salvation where we gave all that up and totally surrendered to your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. Cause us, Lord, to be dependent upon that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.